Welcome to part three of my Understanding the Dark Side series. In this series, I am continuing to ask the following questions to my guests. In the current political climate, the word evil is bandied about a lot. By demonizing one's opponents and comparing them to one of your favorite dictators from the 20th century, people have weaponized these concepts to further their own goals. But what is evil really? What is the Torah perspective on this concept? How do we identify it? How do we vanquish it? My guest this week is Rabbi Aaron David Poston. Rabbi Poston's experience in Torah education is formidable. He has had the great privilege of learning with both Rabbi Noah Weinberg and Rabbi Yitzhak Berkowitz. He also directed the acclaimed fellowships program for over 10 years. Currently, he and his wife Bina run a very unique Jewish educational program in the Baca neighborhood of Jerusalem called Yibone. Their mission is to bring their community together through Jewish education and acts of kindness. If you are unable to attend their program in person, you can join them on YouTube at the Yibone Educational Channel. To date, it has already acquired over a million viewers. Rabbi Poston has a very humble and approachable disposition. Despite all his wisdom and accolades, he has sustained one very pure and sincere objective, the goal of helping to improve and enlighten other people's lives through Torah-based wisdom. These admirable qualities and objectives clearly shine through throughout our interview. With this in mind, I give you Rabbi Poston. Hi, I have here with me Rabbi Poston, and it's a very nice sunny afternoon over in Baca. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that we finally met. Me too. And we were just talking a little bit before the podcast about something kind of, we thought this was kind of a fun place to start, as I was mentioning a pitchfork in my introduction, and Rabbi Poston actually has a really interesting source for this, so... He's going to share that to start. It was a really interesting point. I would definitely like to. In fact, I'll even give you the link and you can share. You know, the share is like an hour and a half okay. a class. But I, I will just touch on a few of the interesting points. Sure. But I would like to define what evil is because we're going to discuss the nature of evil, the misconceptions of evil. Sure. However, there's so many misconceptions. Right. And Do you want to a, tell us what pitchfork thinks means? To well, it just sounds so interesting. Yeah. So just just to give people a kind of a taste of something, a little compact piece of information okay, so here. I think it's a good idea. What we'll do is we'll discuss it more in depth later on. Absolutely. We'll get a taste. For sure. We're going to start from the top afterwards. I just thought that was a really interesting place to start with the pitchfork. It was this really kind of neat. I think this will give us, a, I think, a foundation to understand that we don't even know what evil is until we define it. But, wow. Okay. Absolutely. In terms of... Disclaimer. Isaac, <laughs> understood. Isaac and his wife, Rivka, are praying. And the Torah uses a very specific word. It could have used lehit palel, Chanan. It could have used so many different words that right. we're so familiar with. Right. But it doesn't. It uses a very unusual word. Viater. So the English is that Isaac prayed, Viater Yitzchak to Hashem, and he did it in the presence of his wife because she was barren. And then it says that God accepted his prayer. Right. Viater and an atar, ayin taf resh, is a pitchfork. It wow. literally is a pitchfork. Right. And I go into explain using the Ben Yehoyada and some other Kabbalistic 
commentaries that explain that what is happening, because the question is, like, when evil happens, like something that we consider or perceive to be bad. Right. Like, let's say somebody getting sick. Right. So, well, isn't God in charge? Didn't he make him sick? Right. And if he made him sick, what right do we have? I mean, we can change God's mind? Right. So what the pitchfork is actually doing is changing God's mind. Now, what does that mean? How can we do that? God is not a man that changes his mind. Right. Right? There's a very well-known pusik that says that. So basically, <laughs> that what we're doing is we're, we're hopefully, through our prayers and actions, kavanas, we're going to overturn from what we call midas din, some type of strict judgment, which we would call evil, basically. Something that is, has negative ramifications. Right. And we're overturning it back into mercy, which is the original, let's say, original state. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you're changing God's mind, but that you're restoring the original state. So if you're praying for someone to be in health, you're praying that they should be restored to the original state of health. Okay. The reason the person became ill, wow, that's what we're going to have to talk about. Why do we call that evil? Okay, great. Well, that was an amazing beginning. Thank you so much. And so now we're going to start from the top. Um, we were going to talk about, um, I guess, should we start with the Torah perspective on this? Or, or are we actually going to just, and we're going to define it? How do we define what evil is? Right. That's that. We're going to just leave it at that. How do we define evil? Right. That's so, what we're so going to Rav start. So Rav Noach always said, you have to define your terms. Before you begin any discussion, we have to even know what we're talking about. Right. And this is where a lot of misconceptions come in because what we think or we're taught or even how we perceive evil may not be in reality what evil is. Okay. So one of the psukim that I want to go to to help us define what evil is is in, if I'm not mistaken, it's in Isaiah 45, verse 7. Mm-hmm. This is well known, the fact we say in our blessings on the Shema in the morning, um, a similar, it's very similar in wording, but we're saying in verse 7, we're talking about God, that he who forms light and creates darkness. Okay, so okay. this is Hashem. Right. I mean, you can read the verses 5, 6, and 7. Always get context. Right. Right? It's talking about Hashem. So I am, right? He who forms light and creates darkness. Yotzer or uvore choshech. But then it says, Oisei shalom uvore ra. You're talking about Hashem is the one who makes peace? Okay, I accept that. That's fine. I think everyone in the world would love that to be true. Right. But what does that mean, that he creates evil? Right. So that's the English, right? When we're dealing with English, it doesn't mean anything. I don't really mean that it doesn't mean anything, because that's how we communicate. Of course it means something. But if God is the creator of evil, then we have to reframe everything that we know about evil. And I'll take you to the next step, because the the Balatanya says that what we call evil is just hidden good. Because the great concept, there is no evil that emanates from God. Mm -hmm. But he's the one who creates it. So think about light and darkness. You have light, so someone flipped the switch on. Okay, so now you have darkness, someone flipped the switch off. But that's really what's happening. God removing his light, 
then there's darkness. So it's not that the darkness, or let's say that the evil, is actually emanating from God, but there's like a plug, there's like a stoppage, there's like um, a, a hesitation, there's a, a stopping of the flow of the goodness, and that automatically brings what we're going to call evil. Mm-hmm. But even that ultimately is emanating from the Yudke Vavke himself, who is all merciful and ultimately all good. So now we understand the, ta- the Balatanya a little bit better. Can you just very quickly say who the Balatanya is? So we're talking just about because, the so founder. Our audiences are really mm-hmm. kind of starting from scratch here. So One of the early Hasidic masters. Okay. okay. And we're talking about one of the founders of Hasidim. And um, ultimately we call the book, the Tanya is like the Bible of Hasidus. And so we're talking about the seven previous Rebbe's from the last Rebbe, uh, one of the mm-hmm. earliest Rebbe's of Chabad is right. the Balatanya. Chabad, or, or otherwise known as Lubavitch, depending on how you, what you've heard before. Okay, great, thank you. So, um, that was really interesting. And we're now going to look at, I guess, the Torah perspective on it. So, in terms of the Torah perspective, there's so many layers, and I don't think we're going to get through all the different layers, but I'm going to try to touch on them or scratch the surface as we, as we, as we refer to it. I want to, I want to help people understand that ultimately, it's about free will and what we do with it and our actions. Okay. Because you did imply, well, guess what? At the end of the day, right, in the end of 120 years, when we pass on to the next world, right, there's going to be this concept of heaven, or mm-hmm. hell. I mean, you know, we think about evil and you think about the Satan and you think about some guy in a red suit with a pitchfork and right. fire behind him and right. all that. Right. You know, you're talking about uh, eternal damnation as most people and probably listening to this grew up in a what we'll call a Judeo-Christian society. And I want to put something out that if it's Judeo-Christian, it's not Jewish. <laughs> right. It already has a Christian influence and therefore, it's not Judaism. Once you put Judaism with Christianity, there's some fudging around and some blurring of lines. Mm-hmm. Okay, so ultimately, what we believe is an obedience, meaning following God's dictates. He gave us what we call an instruction manual, and he wants us to follow it. Now, why does he, he doesn't have any needs? It's not like he wants us to follow it. No, he ultimately wants to give us the greatest good, the greatest reward. He just wants to give and give and give, and therefore he wants us to be able to be receiving it. And therefore, in order for us to receive it, we have to be in a position to receive it, which means to the, 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 um, making the choices, the proper choices, in order to get the proper, let's say, consequences, the rewards, and then we will receive what he is really willing to give us. He wants to give us the greatest good. So it all comes down to free will. And, and, and Rav Noach Weinberg, the Rosh Hashanah had said like this. In, in the head of Hashanah, just to, that's to translate for people. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, in Perki Avot, the Ethics of Our Father, Chapter 3, Mishnah 14, referring to a statement made by Rabbi Akiva, that, you know what, God created man in his image, right? So beloved is man that we were created in the image of God. In other words, in order to understand good and evil, or let's say evil, we have to understand the nature of God. He created the world. He created evil, as we said. So what did he do? He created man in his image. Now, what, is it, what does it mean, his image? 
we know that God has no image. So the Rosh Hashiva said that the image of God is ult- the ultimate in free will. God can do and choose whatever he wants. So he, he created us in his image. What is his image? We all know that he has no image. His ultimate image is free will. And that's what he gave us, a piece of him and therefore a piece of free will. So the choices we make, you know, whether we want ice cream, this uh, vanilla or chocolate is not really is not really what we're talking about when we talk about free will. We're talking about, am I doing it l'shem shemai? Am I doing it for the sake of God? Am I doing it to better mankind? Am I doing it to better myself? Am I doing it to improve my own character trait and be kinder to others and to be more patient and loving? Because that ultimately, as the Vildagon says, the purpose of all of creation for each and every one of us is to what we call tikkun hamidos, to work on our character trait. Okay. So when we work on our character trait and improve ourselves, that's our partnership with God, right? He gave us, let's say, an external uh, symbol called the circumcision. That's external, but it's supposed to be taken as an internal lesson that we're here to fix the world. We're partners with God. And why that specific limb? Okay, that is a whole other discussion. This is like the ultimate in you know, free choice, right? The ultimate decisions that people are going to make in their life. It's going to relate to that. But ultimately, when we're talking about that we're creating the image of God, and then what's that same Mishnah that Rabbi Kiva says, not only is that such a generous offer and um, gift that God did, he so loved man that he created man in his own image, but he told him about it. What does it mean he told him about it? He told him. That's what it says in the Torah. The Torah is the manual for living. And it's the manual itself that revealed to us, like, if we didn't have the Torah, would we know that we're made in God's image? No. So he, he not only created us in his image, but then he, he revealed to us through the Torah that we're in his image. The Torah itself is the manual for life. It tells you how, right, how to conduct yourself in this world. Like with morality, with kindness, with love, benevolence to others. Okay, so getting this point across, this is—it's it's just a—you're—you're you're painting. From what I'm hearing, you're painting a, a picture of the right lens. First of all, how we want to look at this, and to kind of change people's perspective a little bit on um, on you know the sort of the the kind of modern classical ways of looking at what evil means so okay now that we've kind of readjusted our lens here so when we think about bad things happening right we call again we're going to call them evil we have the famous story of rabbi kiva gamzu right the story of rabbi kiva that i'll try to keep it as short as possible for those that are familiar with the story Right. right, Rabbi Kiva wanted to find a place to lodge, and he comes to a town, and there's no room at the inn. Nobody has room for him, and unfortunately, he has to go and sleep in the woods and the hills. And immediately, you know, he says, "Okay, this is all for the good. I understand, right?" Because he's a man of faith. That and Rabbi Kiva lived um, approximately just than two thousand years ago, about okay. nineteen hundred years. Great. Ago. Okay. And then he goes up to the mountaintop, and he's He has a candle with him, and he has a chicken with him, and he has a donkey. He has these three things. (laughs) The wind comes in the middle of the night and blows out the candle, and he says, Okay, this is also for the good. And then 
the some lion comes and uh, takes away his cat, stealing his um, chicken. Now his chicken is gone. He says, this is all f- also for the good. <laughs> and then some other wild animal takes his donkey and kills his donkey. And now he says, this is also for the good. In the morning he wakes up and he sees the whole town that he was going to sleep in the night before is decimated. It's up in smoke. And he sees the people walking through the pathways up in chains. They're now... Uh, captured by the, the by the enemy, and <laughs> listen, he didn't say at the end this is also for the good. He realized all along, no matter what happens, it sounds you know for us it's not so bad. Right? It wasn't good for the, these <laughs> these poor people, but it was. But along, he saw that he was being protected all along. So when you miss a bus or you stub your toe or you're late for this or you're late for that, you say to yourself, "Who am I going to meet? What's what?" Right? We have this concept that says that Hashem prepares our footsteps in chapter in psalms chapter 37 verse 23 from the lord man's footsteps are established hashem is the one who prepares our way so this whole idea of good and evil really only plays in a religious person's life let's say a spiritual person's life right because if you're let's say not secular but if you're a denier right you don't believe that there is a creator or someone who's in charge I don't know if good and evil even plays a part. I think it only really plays a part if you're either spiritually in tune or if you're, you know, a religious person. I fi- it's interesting. I find with people who even would consider themselves to be, you know, at times would might may define themselves as agnostic or even that they don't believe in anything, will suddenly will people like to say, well, that's evil. Even so, I, I have come across that, you know, and it's. It's interesting, and I, I don't... So basically, but, what know. these people are, they're in denial. Yeah. Deep down, they yeah. know there is an ultimate, what's good and what's bad. Right. An ultimate truth. And Sorry, guys, they, but this <laughs> is our perspective. They just aren't in touch with what they believe. And that's because of this thickness and the darkness of this world. This world is called nighttime. Yeah. It's, it, the world to come is, is daytime. Right. And that's a whole other subject we can talk about. Right. Why we do perceive evil. Right. so heavily in this world. And that's what the, the Balatani was actually talking about. It's, it's not just, it's, it's like, what do you call that? Um, there's revealed good, and then there's this concealed good. It's, it's hidden good. Now, when we experience good things, we say a certain blessing, Hatova Metiv, that Hashem is good and He bestows goodness. And then when we experience bad things, somebody passes away or someone lost all their money in, in the stock market. <coughs> so they say, Baruch Dayan Emet. But the Shulchan Aruch, and the Gemara right. actually says, you to, uh, that Hashem is a truthful judge. Right? Right. We accept okay. His judgment as okay. the truth. Okay. As a loyal, as a, right? And, and so the, the Gemara itself, the Talmud itself, and the the Shulchan Aruch, the later um, commentators on, on Jewish law, explain that one should express the blessing of on the negative experiences with the same emotion that you had on the positive. In other words, you're such full of joy when you hear good things. You won the lottery or you, know, you finally <laughs> had something great happen to you. So then you have such joy. Guess what? It's really hard emotionally, but there is this transformation that one should have intellectually and emotionally that when you hear about those negative things that deep inside you know that ultimately it's all going to be good because that is 
what's going to happen in the world to come. When we come to the, when we finally are in that state where everything would become obvious, all those bad things that we perceived as bad, we perceived as evil, are actually ultimately for our good. But I want to go back to this idea about the free will, because thank you. But the free will itself is the exercising of how we're going to do the same action. We're going to drive to the store. But am I looking to help people? Do I ask some people if they need anything on the way? Do I hold the door for somebody when they're coming into the store? Am I, you know, well, I'm going to say doing misses. Am I doing this? Whatever I'm going to buy is for the health, my own health, and for the goodness of the world? Or am I just looking to buy some beer and to get drunk and to, you know, just have fun and drive like 100 miles an hour and mm-hmm. risk people's lives? Right. right. What is good and what is evil? I think it's quite obvious that if you're, you're thinking about the tikkun olam, you're thinking about how I can work on my own character and mm-hmm. how that's going to affect the world. Right. Um, that's going to make all the difference in the world. In fact, we're actually told that each person should look at himself as if the whole world's in balance, meaning like you're on a scale and the one act that you're going to do is going to change the scale from a negative judgment, which obviously has its consequences, or to a positive uh, judgment, which will obviously have its consequences. And not only does not only what you do is going to determine the outcome for you, but what you do, imagine the whole world is sitting in a balance, and whatever you do is not only determining for yourself, you are you are the world. <laughs> the right. whole world is sitting on your shoulders. Okay. And this is the Jewish perspective. So I'm talking about free will, right? Free will is going to be a basis in the concept, ultimately, of the consequences. And I now want to bring you to another it's a very. I'm just a kind of reiterate this there's a very big connection between free will and good and evil and how you know these the the relationship between these two things there's actually a statement which is going to be you have to be sitting down when you hear it because this is judaism 101 right we believe one of the 13 principles of our faith that there's reward and there's punishment but what does that mean again all these things have to be defined in the very last prophecy of all the prophets, in Malachi, Malachi, chapter 3, it's actually, if you read through verses 18 through 21, but I want to focus on just um, certain words here. And you're going to return. So this is talking about tshuva, this repentance process. At least, let's say, you're refining your character. And to discern between the righteous and the wicked between him who serves God and him who has served, who's not served him. So we're talking about like judgment here, going by God, who is, let's say, doing the right thing and who has failed. Now this is where it becomes interesting. The sun, S-U-N, okay, is a huge ball in the sky, right? The earth goes, seems to go around the, the sun. And the sun is, I don't know, millions of times, the size of the earth and the the heat is just unbelievable. It says in verse nineteen. Is it millions? Maybe hundreds of thousands. It's a lot. It's it's, it's way bigger than, than the count. earth, which is hard, is incomprehensible. I okay. know it's kind of really, it's, it's you know certainly way bigger. I, I'm, I'm no expert on this myself. Okay. The so. sun comes glowing like a furnace, and all the audacious sinners and all the perpetrators of wickedness will stubble. 
and the sun that comes shall burn them up. Now, I have to tell you before, we, I should have told you before we read this, the Gemara says there is no Gehenna. Okay. There's no such thing. Wow, but one second. Oh, so there no, there's no Gehenna. Gehenna is, you want to Gehen- define Gehenna? Okay, so Gehenna is Sorry. usually <laughs> translated as hell or even purgatory. Now, the truth is there is, just they have to be defined. So basically, this, these verses in Malachi are actually defining for us what it means. If it says there is none, but then it right away brings in these verses. So what do you mean there's no Gehenna, there's no hell? If you're wicked, you're going to be burnt up like stubble. And the sun is going to burn them up so that it leaves them neither root nor branch. So one second. <laughs> That's what's going to happen to the evil. What's good about the good people? And the sun of mercy, S-U-N, of mercy shall rise with healing in its wings. Wow. For those who fear my name, for those who are God conscious, who think about the consequences of their actions, because right. it's all about actions, they're going to have healing. But keep in mind, it's the same sun. It's the same S-U-N. Now, I want you to think materialistically for a second. You have an egg. Now, the egg on the inside of the shell is soft. And if you were, let's say, in a lot, or let's say in Jerusalem in August, and you took that egg and you put it on the roof of the car, in about three hours, or perhaps even less, that soft egg becomes hard. And it's all because of the sun, right? What if you had a wax candle? And you went to a lot, or you forgot the wax candle in your car or on your windowsill sitting in the, in, the, in the sun. That hard wax becomes soft. So it's the sun is like, let's just say it's like Hashem, right? Who is never changing. It's going to be consistent, flowing his flow of goodness. And yet, when the evil will burn up like stubble, Right? The evil will wither away. In this case, we're talking about the sun, so it affects the wax one way and the egg a totally different way. So too, it will do the same thing to the righteous. The righteous will actually be healing. It's like there's no Gehenna. It's like what you make of it. What you make of this world, the choices that you make, is going to determine the consequences, right? What is going to happen to you for all eternity. That's up to you. And there's another example. The person who goes down to the river to do the laundry. I mean, okay, so today we have machines. But people used to go outside and do the laundry, believe it or not. Yeah. And maybe some people still do to dry their laundry. So you go down to the river and you take the laundry and you scrub it. Okay, now what happens? The sun actually can cause it to be bleached, right? The sun hits the colors of the garment and it, it, it wears away. I don't know how the molecular structure works, but you, it becomes a lighter color as time goes on. What happens about the face of the person going down to do the laundry? His face becomes darker through the sun, uh, suntan, whatever you want to call it. He'll get some color in his face. So the same sun affects the laundry one way and yet affects the launderer a totally different way. So in other words, it's the macabre, the one on the receiving end. What, how have you made yourself? Are you good? I.e., are you making the right choices? Are you going in the direction of Tikkun Amidos of work on your character and refining yourself now in this world? Or ultimately, 
Hashem is going to have to refine you at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that is what we're going to end up calling evil. It's not evil. It's as we see in the, another verse that Hashem calls us his children. And it says over here, so for example, Psalms 94, verses 12 and 13. Fortunate is the man whom you, Hashem, chastise. Mm-hmm. So this idea of, in Hebrew, Tiyasrenu, this is Yisurim. These are troubles. These are chastisements. These are like Musar, right? Ethical teachings. Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Thank God. Thank right. God. Yeah. He, he, he's guiding us. He's letting us know when we do the wrong thing, right? Just think about like, it's like a sense of prophecy. When you're walking down the street and you're thinking the wrong thoughts, and then you, stu- you, 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 um, you drop something or you uh, stub your toe, Hashem is giving you a gift. He's telling you, no, <laughs> you're thinking the wrong thoughts. It, we call it evil, but it's not. It's chastisement. So then continue on. Okay, a- I, I just want to um, kind of, sort of, I'm just going to sort of clarify this for myself. Like, it's is it in a way it sounds like what you're saying is it's you know um you know like you're talking you're describing sort of like the laundry and something being burnt up and that we're you know we don't you know that evil is this thing that we can you know that gets burnt up and we don't how much of us we don't want to fill ourselves with that because it's something that's will ultimately be um, uh, you know that's not how we want it, what we want to be composed of because that's something that is just going to end up being burnt up right as that I think yeah. you're, you're hitting it on and this is we're yeah. going to end in a few minutes with that idea about the etar okay how you can transform the judgment the, the, what we call the negative into something positive into something merciful right but I just want to say a few things before we get to that point Okay, so since we already mentioned, right, fortune, how good it is, ashray, hagever, right, how good it is for the person who Hashem chastises, that doesn't sound very nice. But on the other hand, if you go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 to 12, my son, despise not the discipline of the Lord, the same word is used, right, in terms of discipline, the musar of Hashem, don't despise, right, because the Lord chastises the one he loves, as a father placates a son. In other words, it's all for our benefit. That's how we have to understand it. And only someone who's really honest with themselves and knows their own, you know, they're in touch with their mistakes. They're in touch with their, you know, let's say negative side. You know, we were created with the Yetzirah. We have some negative character traits. That's what we're here to the do. Yetzirah to fix that. Is the Yetzirah you know, is the evil inclination. Okay. Um, and we're here to fix ourselves. So when we're really, truly honest, and this is a real big thing in addictions, if you're, right, the people um, try to help, they try to help people. But if you're not honest with yourself, you'll never get the help you need. So as long as you're truly honest with yourself, you'll understand, and hopefully you can even pray that Hashem should open your eyes to what it is that you're doing wrong. It should match measure for measure the punishment. This is like the, the just amazing level of prophecy that we can all be on, which is it's quite low, 
but it's it's higher than what most people think. In other words, if I again if I stub my toe or if I lost something valuable, hopefully I will realize with Hashem's help, with God's help, what exactly am I doing wrong, or what can I do be doing better that why this thing happened to me? And Look, there's also ideas of reincarnation, which we're not going to get into right now, but there are many ideas of past life experiences where we have made mistakes and we're here to to fix them. I'm not going to discuss that now, but I want to just I want right. to end, end off. It's an with interesting this topic, solid. but it's sure right. I want to end off with this topic so I can get into this idea of of the pitchfork one more time. So remember. Uh, Hashem chastises the one he loves as a father placates a son. Rav Noach Weinberg always told this story. What about a child? They're Rabbi playing. Weinberg. Rabbi, Rabbi Weinberg. Weinberg. Right. Okay. In, in English. Right. And he told the story, like, let's say you have a couple kids playing in a park, and the ball rolls out into the street, and the kid runs out into the street, and all of a sudden a car comes to a screeching halt just inches away from the kid. The kid takes the ball, runs back to the park, and the driver just drives off. And this happens maybe two or three times, but the last time, the last time the ball runs out to the street and the kid runs after it, not only, not only does the car come to a screeching halt, but the driver puts the car in park, opens the door, runs out, takes the kid, puts him on his lap, and starts slapping him. Right. Who is this driver? Uh-huh. He's the father. Okay. Because he cares. Okay. Because he cares enough more than the other drivers, right? Okay. Who just pick up and move on. Right. You understand? Now to go back to this idea. We're not we're not condoning uh, corporal punishment here or anything. It's just it's just a metaphor. <laughs> so we're just using metaphors. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Try to use your imagination. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. The good old days. Right, right. <laughs> okay. So uh, when we were defining raw. Reish right. ayin. Those are the two letters that make the the um, the root. So you also have a friend. What is a friend? This friend is a reyah. Okay. Why is your gates a hara? The your, same. Your why, is your, why is evil uh-huh. rooted in friendship? Like because this is going back to the Shem's greatest good that he gave you was the. You created in his, in his image, and he gave you even greater good than that, even a greater level of benevolence. He gave you the instruction manual, in order the, the Torah itself is the antidote, right? It's the inoculation, it's the real vaccine against your Yetzirah. Okay. So without the manual, it's, it's going to be very difficult. So your Yetzirah is actually your best friend. Right. It's through your own... Your evil inclination. Your evil inclination is your yeah. best friend because it's through your... I'm going to use the word battling or your struggles or your, you know, all of... Yeah, the battling that you're going to do with your inclination is going to gain you. It's going to only benefit you. So now, when yeah. we talked about this idea of prayer, ultimately is going up to Hashem... To overturn, because God Himself wants you. He wants the tzaddikim to pray. That's why He squeezes them sometimes. That's why many of our tzaddikim, mothers, righteous, righteous, right, righteous individuals, many of our righteous foreparents, right, right yeah, uh, were barren. Right. It was like the squeezing going on because God wanted their prayers. This prayer overturns and returns back to the original. You know, goodness that God wanted. 
it's unfortunate sometimes we, we like, you know, <laughs> naughty kids, we go off the way. But ultimately, God wants us to return. And so when we pray, I'm going to give you an example how you can actually turn the words, when you understand the words. So, for example, the word atar we mentioned is a, uh, a pitchfork, which is used to overturn and bring up the good to Hashem. Like, that's what the pitchfork is going to do. It's going to raise up the good stuff. Right. And um, the word ta'ar, it's the same letters, but in a different order, is a razor, which is a something that's very, that can be very destructive. So it's through understanding. I, I implore everybody to try to learn some Hebrew. But to understand the, the nature of the essence of God's goodness and his holy language, and you can, through the language itself, transform the world and another example the word nega naga nega is a plague is a um i think plague is the best word but it's an affliction onig is the same letters and it's it means it means enjoyment it, it's, it's satisfaction and uh, so every almost so many things that i can go into and describe how if you understood the language itself and um, it basically, I'll, I'll, I'll end off with this. The Lubavitcher the, the, the Rebbe said, think good and it will be good. Rav Noah Weinberg said the same thing. You have, to, you have to, I'm not trying to preach to anybody here, but if you think positively, it will have a major effect, right? Someone says to remember something or someone says don't forget. Guess what? If someone says remember and you think to yourself, I'm going to remember this, the chance that you'll remember is greater than if you say, um, you know, oh, I hope I don't forget this. Um, so, so basically, yeah. there's so much power in our soul, in our brains, in our willpower, that we can change, that we can overturn what we're going to call evil. We're uh -huh. going to call it evil, but really, it's the hidden good, and to un, let's say, uncover it. So, this is the part where we're getting to where we're, we're going to talk about. How to vanquish it. This is the vanquishing remedy. So, Bizrat Hashem. Okay. With God's help, we can right. uh, come to a... So number one, to learn Torah, to learn the, the way... The, in other words, the instruction manual, the, what God gave you to do. God gave us... I'm not going to say it's simple, but it's not that hard for you to do. Okay? So it takes a lot of effort and willpower to examine, right? Find some good teachers, some good role models who are spiritual, who know the Torah. That's number one. Um, the other thing has to come from within. Within, you know, the Jewish people experienced Egypt. We experienced hell on earth, okay? And it wasn't the first time, right? right? Mm -hmm. So even though in our national memory, we have this idea of, you know, the Holocaust or Holocausts, pogroms, all the way going back to, you know, from before Babylon to Egypt. You know, these are the lessons that we were taught. It's in our DNA. You know, we can overcome. Many people who survived the Holocaust were, did not come out as non-believers. You know, that's a lot of fake news. It's true there are some and maybe even many. But not all. There are many that came out and started a whole new family 
right? They saw evil to their face and they overcame because it's in our DNA to overcome, right? And so far, so if that's on a national level, on an individual level, the same thing. You may have to experience your own Egypt. Maybe you already did, right? When I say Egypt, I'm thinking, you know, it's like a term for evil, right? Paro, mm-hmm. para, right? Pharaoh, right? <laughs> Pharaoh is like, just think about it. His name is evil speech, right? The mouth that speaks evil. And yet we, on the other hand, that's what we do on Pesach, right? Passover, we go through the Haggadah, right? And we, 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 we speak about all the positive possibilities and all the potential that we have. This is my, my, what I'm going to leave you with, right? Is that the more Torah you learn, the more, right? The more Torah you learn, the more spiritual um, tools you have in your toolbox, and the more the community that you're involved with and have role models with, right? And the more you have the willpower to try your best to see the good, to uncover the good, that the only good is propel you in that direction. But you need all that. You need a community. You need role models. You need to constantly be, you know, this whole idea of spiritually, let's just say a spiritual person. There's no such thing as stagnation. You're either going up or you're going down. There's no such thing as stagnation. You know, the dream that Yaakov had with the ladder, and there were angels going up and there were angels going down. There were no angels just sitting around on different rings or rungs. They were, and in fact, they were going up first. It starts with us. We are partners with God, but God gave us, right? He gave us the free will, and he wants us to exercise it. And it's not easy, but God actually tells us, and I want to end with this one verse, okay. right? God says, I place before you life and death, good and evil. Choose life. So yeah, you have to define what life is. Everything has to be defined. We're not going to do that now. We'll leave that maybe for the next time or a future time. Um, okay. I hope that was instructive. Wow, that was really instructive. I'm, can I throw in a couple um, questions here? If we're... Um, one of my motivations for doing this is because I do feel that we're in a time right now where there are people out there that... Do you know that do not have our best interests at heart, and I think that. And then there's people that do, you know. But I think that I'm, I, I kind of am thinking a lot about um, if we can't kind of make that distinction on some level, um, then maybe we can't. Um, if we don't know what's bad, then we don't know what's good. And then we can't make that separation. And then we're allowing, um, you know, maybe the one thing we can say is, you know, evil things to prevail. Um, and that if people were not, were able, were able to kind of come to terms with there is such a thing, whatever that is, and however it manifests, then we have an opportunity to... Um, to change that, to get rid of it, just by understanding and and being able to um, make the right choices about what what it means to go towards good and what it means to to push away what is evil. So there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, this whole idea that um, for good men to do nothing, right? There's a, such a statement is uh-huh. basically giving into evil. What I really want to say is, don't give the evil the power. Right, you want uh-huh. to give all the power to the, and glory to Hashem, 
So obviously we have to confront. There's times where we have to confront. But we should use our wisdom. We should ask guidance. Okay? So if it's a personal affront, the best thing actually is to let it go. Right? When it's personal, someone is acting towards you negatively. Don't give it any power. Ignore it. But when it's going to make a difference in the world and it's external, it's not about you. It's not about your ego. Then there are going to be times where you must, and you must band together, and you have to do with, with wisdom. You don't just react, knee kick. Of course right? not. Yeah, so, right. That's important. So it's point. very important to stand up for the truth, but you're not alone, right? Find other like-minded people, join together, strategize, and figure out the best way with Torah guidance. Of course. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of part of my title talking about it. People like to say everything's evil. I think we have to be careful that we don't just call things evil because it's something we don't like, you know. So therefore, a way to kind of really just diminish something very quickly is just to say, well, that person's evil or this is evil. And then we don't have to talk about it anymore. But um the problem is, is there are some things that are going on in, in every generation that are concerning, and we're sort of in, the, in a very vulnerable time in history, and it is important to be able to, to not um, encourage uh, bad things from happening and to, and, and to be able to make this identification. I mean, very, very cautiously, of course, and we're never going to know the full story, but you know, but uh, but to try that we need we need to be in order. It's it's also maybe my question should be what is good because if it's you know one of the best antidotes it would seem you can Rhea, tell me if I'm getting this right would be one of the you know best antidotes to um, you know moving away from what's bad is to know what's good you know to know how to embrace good and I, I think that's actually a lot of what you've been bringing up today so there is a verse is turn away from evil and do good so it's not good enough just to turn away evil right there has to be so good good has to be defined as well it's like good good it's light trumps darkness good good trumps evil so you know like just that action of embracing those things is very powerful would that be so we have a correct yeah listen it could be subjective all you want, and then there's there's no end to it. But we're going to try to do something yeah. to define it objectively. Right. So the Torah itself is called lechach tov, a good purchase, a good re- receiving of something good. And the Torah itself is good. I know right. that, you know, growing up, and again, we'll call that the Judeo-Christian society, many people blame religion for wars and for oppression and right. all that stuff. But right. we're not... that. Judaism is not even a religion. It's beyond. Right. It's a way of life. It's a way of thinking. Yeah. Okay, so the Torah itself is good. So I again, to, to define good, knowing that it is good, is to sit and learn. When do I return objects? Why do I return objects? What it's all about. Everything that the Torah requires of me. Every good whether, act. You know. whether, yeah, whether it's a, the seven Noahide laws, the seven universal laws for mankind, you know, not to murder, not to steal, right? Not to all these things. So these are very important for all mankind. So the Torah itself is good. And so I, you know, ask you or implore you to, to learn more about it. And you'll see that's going to define good. It has to be objective. It can't be subjective. What I think is good. Who cares what you, I mean, I don't know. 
I'm kidding. Of course, we mm. care what you think. And that right. You should be involved in the discussion. Right, right. But take the manual. But Yeah, but don't just... I understand what you're saying. Don't make this decision. Don't make these assessments in isolation. We need to make them with... You know, consult with people that are wiser than ourselves to make these decisions, you know, to understand things better. Right. We don't work in a vacuum. Is it good or is it bad? And how do we deal with it? And do I deal with it alone or do I deal with it as a community or do I deal with it as a group of, right. of activists? Yeah. Right. And that, but that's, once again, that we are talking to people that we, you know, think are wiser than ourselves that we respect. Um, so that's okay. So that's, um, that was helpful. And uh, thank you so much. Um, we, I, we, I speak for whomever our listeners are, really appreciate um, all this wisdom. It was great. Um, and uh, thank you for joining us. So it was, it was great. Thank you for having me. I wish you much, much success. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs>